Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Which is amazing. And after they happened, I thought, well, I must be here for a reason. <laughs> and uh, I also had some pretty bad illnesses. I'm still here, hanging in there. And then uh, I'm lucky because I have uh, both uh, poetry and art in my brain. So I have a few of the little books that I make here, which I sell. And three of my paintings are up on the wall here. That's mine. These two here behind me, which you're welcome to look at. I'm um, lucky I have good friends. Uh, David is like my brother. In fact, we may really be brothers, but we haven't checked out our parentage. And um, you're not my brother, no. You're too ugly. And that's, uh, let's see, um, I'm lucky because I had 33 years with a fantastic woman who passed away in November. And just before she died, we finished this book, The Love Project. Um, she left it sort of as a gift. And I promised Nikkel I'd tell a couple of stories. One, uh, you've heard before, Nikkel, but the, the two stories illustrate two different aspects of my wife, one, the Coleman, of her nature, which was quite complex. First one illustrates her sensitivity and her intelligence in the moment. She was invited to do a reading out in, uh, you can uh, give me a gentle, uh, while I'm talking, real soft. David, thanks. <clears throat> she was invited to do a reading. Hello. Um, and cats here too. And cats, cats enjoy poetry. My cat at home loves music. He loves jazz. Played all the time for him. Wanda was invited to be the reader at a birthday celebration for a retiring teacher out in Claremont, an elderly black woman who we were friends with. And uh, one that was up on the podium reading and it's a huge space that they converted a cafeteria with mostly students sitting at tables. I was at a table with this woman's son and her son's wife who was, I think, Jewish, certainly was a white woman. It was an interracial marriage and she, we, she and I hit it off because we both went to the same high school we found out. We both went to Erasmus, which is a famous high school in Brooklyn. So we were having a great conversation. Wanda's up on the podium reading her work, and she starts reading a poem called The Kiss, which she wrote for a fellow poet named Bob Holman. His wife had passed away some time ago. He had a wonderful art, artist wife named Elizabeth Murray, uh, one of the great women artists of the last decade or two. And she wrote a poem kind of as a memorial to that marriage. And she was reading it, and I'm sitting and talking at the table. All of a sudden, she stops and she comes down, and she's heading in my direction. And what was going on? She comes over to me, and in front of everybody, she gives me a fantastic deep French and turned me purple. I mean, I, everybody, all the kids thought it was part of the act, but it wasn't. It was a surprise. <laughs> it certainly surprised me. And, uh, and they all went, ooh, ah, whoa, you know. And then she went back up on this and finished the poem, and that was it. So this, the woman who was retiring comes up, and this took quite a bit of courage on her part, but she said, Wanda just taught me something, because I had a problem with my son interracially marrying, and she just made me realize I was a fool. What a moment. Wanda did that on purpose. That's why she kissed me. She knew about this woman's hang-up. You did? 
that's smart. Brilliant. On the other hand, she could be very stubborn to the point, and at one time, I found this out, just on, I just came back from the East Coast. I have a friend named Quincy Troop, who's a pretty well-known poet, and he helped Miles Davis write his autobiography, and they're making a movie out of it. And uh, Denzel Washington is playing Miles. And um, uh, Jamie Foxx is playing Quincy. <laughs> so it should be very interesting seeing Jamie Foxx play my friend. Quincy told me that many years ago, Wanda was very angry at him because she was doing a poetry reading outdoors down in, you guys know the Degnan area, Lamert Park, where there's a lot of black stores and black arts, and World Stage is down there, and my friend Kamau Daoud runs stuff. And uh, Wanda was up on the platform reading, and all of a sudden, Quincy turned off the power and cut her off. Well, that's all you need to do with Wanda. She was furious. She wanted to kill him, and she didn't speak to him for years. Quincy told me that one time they were on a tour later, somewhere in New York, and um, Quincy said he had to tell Wanda what happened because he didn't want her to be angry at him anymore. Seems that she read a poem where she said something that pissed off a gang member. In fact, it was the boss of the gangs. She said something about black men that he didn't like. And he said to Quincy, and was dead serious, he was going to blow her away if she didn't shut up. So Quincy was signaling her. She wouldn't stop. That's one of the stubbornness. No? She just kept going and going. And he had to pull the plug on her, and that's why he stopped it. And he told Wanda, I saved your life. The guy was going to actually had a gun. He was going to blow her away. Do you believe that? So sometimes her stubbornness could get a little uh, <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> so then she forgave Quincy, and they became friends again. So, so those are two, just two of the many millions of aspects of that complex, amazing lady I was married to. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read a few of the poems in uh, The Love Project. Um, the first half of the book is my love poems to her, and the second half, which she now unfortunately can't be here to read, are hers to me. Um, but I'll, I'll just give you some idea of what's going on in here. And uh, feel free to ask me questions, by the way, when we're finished. If you have anything you want to know, I'm very uh, open and frank. So if you have any curiosities about any of this, uh, Go ahead. And also, uh, the, the three little books in the front are examples of what I, of artist books that I make and sell. Had a very successful trip on the East Coast. I sold almost everything I have, but these were the leftovers. Um, and uh, that's one of my works up there, and two back here behind me. I'm also a painter. This is called When You Know. When you know what I know, and you have what I have, you don't advertise and you don't brag, you just live it. And even then it radiates and people guess and are jealous because you look too good, too young, too something, they can't figure out. And you know that you have it. The mystery is no mystery because you live it each minute. And it's always there and you try to get it into your teaching to give others a taste of it because it's so good and important you want to share it. But of course it never comes out quite like the original and besides it's not something you can just hand people words on a platter. Like this poem, merely a hint and that's all I can do, just suggest and be who I am with my little box of secrets out there for all to see, knowing what I know, living it being it with you. It's for Wanda. This is a little bit more upbeat. David and I do not rehearse. We believe in improv. And I don't even know what poems I'm going to read tonight, so this is all improv, but uh, it usually works. 
Yes. Why Wanda loves Austin. Why Wanda loves Austin. He knows how to live. Spends a day off digging old bogey flicks, skimming a book, or taking a stroll. Needs no dough to be rich. The guy's got class. Give him a day not hassling a job, and he comes through like a trooper. Squeezes time's orange, each drop a jewel. Watch him lounge back in bed, observing the Dodgers club of the Reds. He even lounges like a prince. A world-class lounger. Note the sexy way he lifts the glass to sip juice. His majestic elan with pretzels. Yeah, what a man. And last night at the club, did you catch his finesse when he stuffed pieces of napkin into his sensitive ears? That's some kind of genius. He's so graceful, it's a pity Degas himself can't, can't follow him around sketching sculptures. God, see him order dinner for two at the Thai restaurant, his cool, authoritative manner, his balletic chopstickery. The style is awesome, the work of a master. Oh, he knows how to live, slurping up baseball on color TV, munching old, cold breaded trout, scribbling poems to his woman. The man's a whiz and she knows it. No wonder she loves him. Because I left out a few things. Uh, but uh, we are in mixed company. No, I'm kidding. Let me see. Let's do another one like that. Um, oh, yeah. It's another pretty upbeat one. Okay. Kind of funny. Presence. Presence. I will give you some presents. None of which have been cut from my body. Other bodies have been mutilated to serve you. Anything you desire, I will make every effort to hand you if I have it around. Here is the nose of a saint. Here is the tooth of a shark, the pistol of a rose, the dried seed of a banyan tree. Do not ask about symbols. Examine, enjoy. Hang them around your neck, pelvis and calves. Juggle them, toy with them as you toy with all your toyables. Here is $18.37, including tip. Here's a clay sculpture of an erect penis. Here is a box full of cowrie shells, pea pods, iron filings, and maize. Here's an address book of mine from 1959. Do not try to understand. Fondle, tickle, turn them around as you turn around all your turnaroundables. Here is a bottle of new wine, sweet, white, and fruity. Here's the cover of a lost book, chipped, yellowed, and barely legible. Here is a photo of me, aged six, skinny and blonde, flying a kite and laughing. Here's a letter from a woman I hurt. Ask no questions. Treasure them as you treasure all your treasurables. Here is a passage from one of my unpublished plays, stamped on a metal plate suitable for a paperweight. Here's a scribble I did while talking on the phone to a famous editor. Here's a lock of hair from a dead rock star. Here's a shard from an ancient mixing bowl, Cretan, date unknown. No, please do not try to evaluate. Simply hold these in your hands. Handle them as you handle all your handleables. Here is a polished bone of cow. Here is a finely worked filigree of cut paper. Here's a large letter B ripped from a billboard on York Avenue and 86th Street, New York. Here's a bag of broken, still usable crayons. Don't use them before you see them, together, like this. Then move them as you move all your movables. May I wrap these in a blanket? Or will you have a cart? Please don't laugh or cry or scoff. Simply take these offerings from me, now yours, given tenderly with care. Soon there shall be more and more significant gifts. Love them as you love all your lovables. Thank you. Oh, you like that.
That was good that you clapped as you do all your clappables. I really appreciate that very much. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, a little, a little sexier one here. Okay. This is uh, called Ruint, R-U-I-N-T, Ruint, past tense of ruin, right? Ruint. Ruint. What's left squeezes out a love poem to one who flattened me. I'm pussy wrecked, teeth marks, flesh burns, mouth smeared with yours spent and sprawling across this bed an unstuffed scarecrow buried in breath you do me in drain juices allow the world to fill me again i come back loaded where are you i miss you two three long hours have passed your sweet stink fades from my beard wake me again with crazy hit and run loving Grind me into the sheets. Refuse to release me. I love the way you ruin my day. I love it. Yeah. And I wish all of you to be ruined like that. That's the best way to be ruined. Ruined with lust. Okay, and another one, a little lighter. That you love me, that you love me, that you love me, me, of all people, I pinch myself. It's a dream. How'd it happen? What goober dust did I fling in your eyes? What magic potion slip into your mind? That you, you, love me? The player, the wisecracking, life-loving painter, the dance-away fucker from Brooklyn? The guy you thought was a fool and a nut? That crazy bearded long-haired poet who hardly knew you? Brooding it about how much he loved you? That weirdo, that hotshot? Yet somehow he got you. I got you, me, all the me's that are me, we got you. The painter, the poet, the lover, the jokester, the Jew, the Brooklyn porn, the Brooklyn born fast-talking extrovert, we all got you. And you still get confused about which one I am, who you fell for. Who keeps putting stuff into your drinks to keep you enthralled, keep you laughing and loving, keep you permanently his? Yeah, it's a mystery sometimes why a woman falls in love with you, isn't it? Let's <laughs> pass this around. This is a good picture of me and Wanda. I put it in the book, and there it is, and then ready to be passed. It's real soft. Shakuhachi, uh, maybe. Yeah. Now, this is an instrument. David can tell you a little about this. This is a fantastic Japanese flute called a shakuhachi. How many people ever heard of it before? Look at that. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows. Tell them. It's 117 years old. It was my teacher's teacher's flute. It's made out of bamboo. Um, you mean that flute is older than me? Barely. Gee. <laughs> I'm shocked. Isn't that beautiful? Just look at it. I mean, it, it looks like a work of art itself. It's, a, it's a, it was made by one of the greatest flute makers ever and played by my teacher's teacher and my teacher. Look at the colors on it. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And it is bamboo. Oh yeah, it's Japanese bamboo. Right. Yeah. And it's it took you a good ten years to even learn how to play it right, right? At least. No, I played it right away. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you played it right it away, but to, uh, to, to, to to understand it. But yeah, to really get it right. I know. If you can't play it right away, you shouldn't study it. You, I got it. So I give up. I haven't even started yet. Don't start if you can't do it. No, don't start. I'm a little... Uh, time I learn how to play it, I'll be long dead. That's the problem. If you can get a note, you might want to consider playing a regular flute because yeah. it's easier. 
Uh, regular food is easy. Why is this so regular difficult, David? Tell me. Why is it so difficult? Huh? Why is it so difficult? There's no mouthpiece, man. No mouthpiece. So yeah, what do you do? There's no mechanics. It's all fingers. Uh-huh. So if you want to get, you know, chromatics, you have to go half hole, quarter hole. Right. Bend, it's all use of the mouth, the embouchure. Yeah. Heart, so. Fantastic instrument. David plays on, you can watch him on the internet, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, playing this if you want to hear Very more. famous in Cuba. He's famous in Cuba. Yeah. He's infamous. Actually, they threw him out of Cuba about eight times already. But no, check I, it out. No, in Cuba, I recorded with Lincoln Park, and they bootlegged all the Lincoln Park stuff in Cuba. And when they heard I was played on Lincoln Park, Fantastic. I became a Hollywood celebrity. Amazing. <laughs> That's great. I was holding auditions for rap groups. <laughs> That's fantastic. And if you want to hear more uh, Shakuhachi, you can see you on the internet, right? Yeah. Okay, let's do a real a soft, loving shakuhachi for this one. This is called This Moment. This moment at the dining table chewed and savored, reverberating in my skull, seeping into memory, staying forever. And when and if it ever dies, if everything dies when the person dies, I will feel the loss somehow, a loss to posterity, to the universe of a moment that throbbed with life, that was so exquisitely itself as Wanda laughs to a movie in the bedroom, as sunbeams stipple the backyard yellow-green, and Dambula the cat sleeps beneath my feet, and this warm cereal cooked for me with love by my love goes slowly down, second by second, year by year, filling me, becoming me, turning me into someone old and new at once, who was and is and will be here who was and is and will be here, here, now, here, now. Thanks. Beautiful. Thank you. This is David Zasloff. David Zasloff, yes. C-A-S-L-O-F-F. Always. That's all I do. Always called last in class because of the Z. Always, Always last. Can I tell a funny story about that? Real quick. Real quick. No, go ahead. I was in, in grade school, I was always last because we went alphabetically. So one day, the teacher thought she'd give me a chance, and we did, we did the class by numbers. There were 32 kids in the class, so we all picked numbers, and I got number 32. And I cried. <laughs> and the teacher said, okay, we'll start from the highest number. So I got to go first. <laughs> Smart teacher. Quick, quick Very sensitive teacher. First lessons in humility. <laughs> oh, boy. That reminds me of the joke convention, you know, where all the jokes are numbered, and the guy gets up and says 76, and nobody laughs. He said, I didn't tell it right. That's a prison joke. Yeah, I know. It's a good okay. <laughs> you can tell where we went. Oh, thank you. Well, here is that picture. Jeez, it looks from the 19th century. I don't know. It's a way back in the early 80s. You're right. Yeah, I still had a dark beard. Do you remember where it was? Some club. Yeah. Oh, it's in the. I think it says in the uh, the same pictures in the back of the book. Whiskey or go go. 1986. Yeah, it's a, right. You know your graffiti. Uh, good for you. Yeah, I like graffiti too. Um, it's a short one, love poem, Certainties. Go ahead, you first. Huh? You start. Yeah, that's it, as sure as anything, as sure as anything the sun will rise, 
The seas roll and break against old rocks and grass grow and the moon casts down its pock-faced grin and men kill and love and die in pain and howling babes birthed and sung to and somewhere rain and snow and heaving earth and cold winds blow and painters paint and composers conjure music from cacophony. Yet I know this as long as I live and see and breathe and reach to touch and hold so long. So long will I love you. It's true. Forever. That's a hard one to read. <laughs> trying not to crack up, but it's not easy. Yeah, she was great. If you've never read Wanda's books, they're all over the place. Up front, they have all her books, so check her out. Uh, she wrote not only lots of poetry, but a couple, couple of books of great short stories. One novel, Mambo Hips and Make Believe, which has not been very read by anybody, really. It's an amazing book, very poetic. And uh, a lot of essays. Little of everything. She was an amazing journalist. And a very, very good wife. Let me see. Um, yeah, okay. Another same same style. Anybody who's been in a very long relationship with another person and may have felt something like this. It's called talk. Sometimes our talk is so open and free, goes so deep, it's as if I were speaking a diary. And you answer intelligently with care and good questions and comments and suggestions of your own, with stories from your life that relate to or illuminate or parallel mine. And so this diary has your voice that beloved voice, and laughs your laugh. You're sitting there opposite me in the living room, and the air is filled with our chatter and laughter, our always earnest and precious exploration of each other's lives. Another way we, another way we find each other. Another way we find each other. And you know when you're talking like that with your lover, you're there, huh? And yet, sometimes marriage can be very hard. And this book is very honest about the fact that we had a lot of fights. Because Wanda and I were both very stubborn. As I told you, she was so stubborn, she almost got killed. But uh, she was also stubborn about various things I disagreed with. And we would get into these huge arguments. So this is a kind of a metaphor for uh, that process of fighting. And I think couples that don't fight usually don't last because they're holding everything in. They don't let it out. And then all of a sudden there's one big burst and they break up. But if you fight a little bit all the way along, you let it out, it's better. Keep in shape. <laughs> yeah, it keeps you in fighting shape, actually. <laughs> so this is called simply marriage. And I don't mean to scare anybody away from marriage with this poem. <laughs> See, he knows he's married. He's, he's. Exactly. We bite big chunks of each other's hides. We bite big chunks out of each other's hides. Teeth marks. Blood, blood spurts all over our lives. The hot dump we call home fills with blood. Blood on the walls, blood in the sky. We kill each other over and over. Two warriors, two tribes, two nations, two worlds, permanently linked by love and rage. I cling to the belief that this can be stopped. That it's unnecessary that we do not have to eternally tear each other to pieces. 
glue ourselves back together, tear each other to pieces again. I cling to that hope. No, we can be friends. I do not leave, do not run or hide. I stay and it happens again. Yet, I still believe, even as I bleed, you bleed, we bleed, love. Yeah. Ah. I see now everybody's been there. Yeah, you see a bunch of everybody's got scars. I can see it all over the place. A few more, huh? And then I'll leave it open for questions. Okay? Please feel free to ask whatever's on your mind. You know, it's okay. Are these all from your half of the book? Excuse me? These are all from your half. These are all my side, yeah. I have no no intention of imitating Wanda. <laughs> One-sided read. Yeah, one-sided read. <laughs> I wish it was two-sided, as you know, very well. It's a little short, very sexy one. Compatible. Compatible. She talks her way and I talk mine, but we speak the same fuck. Our kisses and tongues meet and strike sweet tunes. We dance in the same dialect. And though we look different, black and white, man and woman, we speak the same fuck and smoke the same music and smoke the same music. Thank you. Well, it's not a large audience, but it's a very select one, right? We got the elite here, and they really know their stuff. They're plotting at right moments. Hmm. All right, let's see. I'll read this one. This is a, a kind of uh, a poem that um, is about art more art and love and color, etc. You'll see it's called Pictures of You. Shakuhachi time. This is in two parts. It's a quote from Cezanne where he once said, the thing is to paint as if no other painter ever existed. I like that. The thing is to paint as if no other painter ever existed. Now that's hard to do because as an artist, you know, if any of you do art or music or whatever you do, you're utterly influenced by everything that went in the past. So breaking away and finding your own way of doing it is not easy. So to do it as if no one ever existed. You know, Wittgenstein did that in philosophy. He tried to do philosophy as, no one, as if no one ever did philosophy before and he came up with some good stuff. If you read the investigations. To do anything as if no one ever did it before is hard. It's really hard. But it's worth the try, isn't it? Hmm? You break no Kodaks. So camera friendly, the lens loves you. Painting is another story. You are variegated, light and dark browns, tinged with ochres, reds, oranges, siennas, umbers, maroons, and salmons all blended. Everything but green and blue. Actually, there's a little touch of green and blue in there, too. What you wear changes your skin tone. And where you sit and how you hold yourself, look up, down, sideways, and your expression. Sad, meditative, thoughtful, worried, calm, delighted. And is it sunny or shady or rainy? And what's the atmosphere, the barometric pressure, humidity? The very air and light change you. My brown, black, Indian red, multicolored, multi-brained, multi-sensed, multiple, my million women in one, my elusive, changeable, unpin-downable, ever unpredictable, highly unpaintable you. Part two. No one ever saw an apple before or that mountain. And I never saw you. Try now to see you as if no one has ever seen you. See you new.
from every possible angle and nuance. Real and surreal, flat, round and cubed, collaged and montaged, in shadow and light, color or black and white, etched, sketched and painted, in delicate pencil, charcoal and pastels, or hard, linear, contoured, barely seen or super real, totally to all your levels, with all the depths, complexity, truth and care you have always deserved. And that, that is true, I had a hard time painting her. I got her, her face sometimes, almost. Her colors, she was really tough to, to paint. Maybe it was the fact that I loved her so much. Two more, okay? Just two more, I think it's enough. This is um, kind of a little, little jazzy. This is called Moments Like This. If you love somebody, you have moments, you, you remember things that she or he did or does that really makes them a delightful person to be around. And uh, this poem summarizes at least a few of those with my amazing wife. Moments Like This. You make some ridiculously hilarious crack while I'm driving. And I laugh so hard the tears blur my vision and I nearly plow into a truck. Well, we're watching a flick and you notice some anachronistic bit like some building that didn't exist in Los Angeles in 1956 and how do you know this? Oh, we get off the freeway in an unfamiliar spot and I want to go right but you say left and lo and behold in a minute or two we arrive at the place with no sweat. Or you warn me about impending doom on some job, or to be careful around such and such person, or that some scheme I'm hatching is not going to work, and you're always on time. Or you have a dream about someone you haven't seen in years, and the phone rings, and it's them. Or you say something about some odd thing, and voila, the next second it's on the TV. Or we've had a bad day, Communication's broken down, I'm feeling lousy and resentful, and there you are at my back, giving me a rub or a hug, and your love transfusion, your love transfusion floods me again. Your love transfusion floods me again. Thank you. And last but not least, Very short one. This is a, a poem about, have you ever noticed, you must have noticed, if you've been loving somebody for a while, uh, and this is for the guys, have you noticed that your woman, her lips change depending on her mood? The quality of the texture of her lips change? If she's really loving you, they're much softer and sweeter than when it's eh, you know? Am I right? Have you noticed? <laughs> He's fully. You know that. Brilliant observation. Thank you so much, I'm Doctor. Check it out next time. Oh, I'm so glad I brought you along. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about that. Even though David knows all about it already. Your kiss. Maybe this should be a song. Huh? I said maybe this should be a song. I'm thinking about a melody. Your kiss is somehow softer now. Your kiss is somehow softer now. Softer now, softer now. More intense, more intense. Your mind-body chemistry amazes me. How your brain sends signals to your lips, retexturing and sweetening them as your love mellows and sweetens. Your lips, your mouth, your kiss, a poem that says you are at least in this instant, loving me more and more and more. That's it. Thanks. Thank you very much. You're very nice.
group. Thanks a lot, guys. Any questions? Anything that comes to mind? Think. Uh, almost 33 years. This past May 1st, it would have been 33, but she died in November. Right? And I did see her and hear about her and know her before we really got together, because she read in my poetry series. I ran a series at the Felipe de Neve branch of the library on 6th for uh, a year or so, and she read in that series. And I took her out to eat and stuff, but we still weren't together because she was still married, but split. But uh, totally, really together, May 1st, 1981. She came over to my place and never left. <laughs> I tied her to the bed, is what I did. <laughs> Any other questions? Is that here in LA? Yes. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, but I moved to LA. Uh, I was working in, uh, I was in San Diego working for Amnesty International. And the job of running the office in LA opened up and I took it. So I, I ran Amnesty for a year, over a year. And uh, ran into Wanda a couple of times then. I have a question for you. I had, when I was very young, I had an opportunity to be briefly exposed to and associated with um, some of the LA poetry scene. Uh -huh. It was uh, centered around here with people like um, uh, Koki, who owned this place when it was Chatterton. I remember Koki. Tony. Yeah. Who uh, apparently uh, was the founder of Bear. Bear I didn't know him, but I, I knew Koki. Koki died young, too. I just wondered if you had any um, stories about what it was like in the LA poetry scene in the late 70s or... Well, I came here in 81, so... Okay, so yeah, I well, I came here a little earlier than that, but uh, 79, 80. Um, the poetry scene was on for quite a while before I got here. Uh, and most of it was centered around Beyond Baroque right. and Venice. And Beyond Baroque moved a couple of times, and now they're in a building they've been in for many, many years, the old Venice City Hall. And Wanda started there. And many, many of the LA's best poets started there, and many of whom have passed on. I mean, really, some terrific poets. Lee Hickman, for example, was a fantastic performer. Lee Hickman, if you haven't heard his name, he wrote a, The Great Slave Lake Suite, a beautiful poet. He was one, and many, many others. There are two books. One is by Bill Moore, M-O-H-R, called, um, and what is it called? Outsiders, something like that. Bill, uh, Bill Moore's book is here. Holdouts, it's called. Holdouts. It's a history of L.A. poetry through 90s. And then another book by Lawrence Goldstein just came out. Just got it in the mail. It's a lot about Wanda in it. And uh, that's uh, called just Poetry L.A., Poetry Los Angeles. Um, so there are a couple of histories, finally. There was another one called Whitman's Wild Children that also talks about the L.A. poetry series. Okay, that one I don't know, but I know uh, there was one about uh, Venice West came out, John Kenneth Maynard, a historian. Uh, Wanda and I had a radio show called The Poetry Connection uh, for 14 years on KPFK, and uh, we had John Kenneth Maynard on the show. Uh, that's a real good history of the LA beat scene, and uh, people there in, in that book influenced Wanda a lot. Um, so there, there are histories, if you really want to get into it. This, and LA is finally getting a little bit of attention nationally. We were repressed pretty much by New York, and a little bit from Iowa, and a little, especially from San Francisco, because all, all people thought of when they heard of LA was Hollywood and movies, and some noir, you know, and, you know, but not poetry. It's starting to finally sink in that we have some pretty damn good poets here for a long time. It's taken a long time to do it, but it's happening. Yeah, anybody else? Yes? Wanda liked to draw. And when she was young, she did every art. And she was a dancer. She worked. She was with the Anna Halperin Ceremony of Us. Anna Halperin is still alive in her 90s, a fantastic dancer, this woman, amazing Anna Halperin in Marin County. Uh, there are films of Anna Halperin dancing in a costume, and then she takes off the mask, and you realize it's an old lady, and you'd never know it. Yeah, she's unbelievable. So Wanda danced with her. Wanda played all kinds of musical instruments, including the piano, the violin, the cello, uh, she was in uh, Leonard Bernstein's uh, Youth Orchestra, uh, but she got encephalitis, also called African Sleeping Sickness, when she was a kid, 11, 12, 13. She named one of her books African Sleeping Sickness, and she didn't have the fingering anymore for the violin, so she pretty much turned to poetry because she could write it quicker, um, and uh, she became very good at it and gradually became a great performer, one of the best. 
traveled all over the world performing. Um, so did I answer your question? Yeah. Anybody else? It's okay. Don't be shy. I'll answer anything. Yes? Are there, is there anybody in the contemporary, like, younger generation or any groups in the contemporary LA scene that you have an affinity for or a connection to? Or well, there are a lot of good writers around. And uh, there's a dynamic young performer who publishes for Red Hand Press named Doug Kearney. He was a friend. And they wrote a really nice uh, blurb on one of Wanda's last books. I have... I'll show you. These are two of, uh, before this book, um, these are Wanda's last poetry books, Ostinato Vamps and The World Falls Away. I did the covers of both books. I did the covers of my books, too. Uh, I'm very proud of the covers of both good ones. And uh, Doug Kearney wrote, uh, Wanda Coleman's hard-edged new collection interrogates death nearsightedness. Mother outlives son, feet wear out before the heart, and the truth teller dies before truth frees her. These poems don't go gently. Elegy turns protest. There is a never and there is a too late, quoting Wanda. These are sharp warnings from death's small mean domain. It's not too late to heed them, Doug Kearney. And that's a lovely thing that he said, and he is a very, very good poet. He's, a, I think, Red Hand Press's bestseller. Um, I hope I'm second. <laughs> And uh, Nikkel, wherever Nikkel is. Yeah, Nikkel. Nikkel Davis, very good poet, publishes for Red Hen and sells, I hope, pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are many others. And uh, if you want to hear what's going on in the poetry scene, check out Beyond Baroque every week. There's more poets there. And all over town, uh, there are poetry readings going on. So it's certainly a, a good young crop. And one, they influenced a lot of them. No question about it. Yeah. Huh? One more sure. Um, she she, she and, you know, that's an interesting question. She had mixed feelings about rap and hip hop. Uh, she thought there was some good stuff in it, but basically, a little too simple. You know, she she really liked complex, real jazz, and uh, classical, and uh, she played it. You know. Um, she was also in, you know, once in a while they had these uh, poetry slams. So she was in some slams. She didn't like the uh, experience of a slam where she was up against Sherman Alexie, who's a good poet, a Native American, identifies as. And unfortunately, all the judges were Native Americans, so it was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> twisted against her, you know. She really felt like that was fixed. And we did that in uh, Santa Fe, in New Mexico. That uh, was a bad experience in a way. And she tried. Boy, I thought she won by a mile, but the judges didn't think so. So, And that's nothing against Sherman, because he's a good poet. Uh, yeah, she had mixed feelings about uh, a lot of the current modern stuff. Also, the, uh, in general, and I, I agree with uh, this uh, assessment, uh, poetry that needs to use nonstop cursing, where every other word is fucker and motherfucker and blah, 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 blah. It's not really saying much, <laughs> you know. It's a, it's a lot of anger there, and uh, I understand it. But um, we're, t we're talking about writing, using language, and and hearing words, and uh, and playing with sound, and playing with uh, forms, and all of that. It's not in hip hop or rap. It's just not there. It's yeah, in some ways, no question. Maybe not even that good. <laughs> Yeah, really. Anybody else? Question? Can you talk about the artwork you brought in? Um, sure. Uh, temporary or uh, is it some recent stuff you've done? Uh, these are all fairly old. This one, I like to play with language and words in my artwork, obviously. So uh, this one, I, I call that Alphabet Symphony. It's number four in a series. Uh, one is in a museum in Florida, the first one, and the best one, but this is a good one too. And uh, I simply want people to look at uh, that particular style and that series, not only for the texture and the complexity and the fun of it, but you're actually hearing the sounds when you look at it. See? And I, I like that. I like, in other words, you're, you're reading it. You can't help it. 
So it jumps out, and that's why I call it a symphony. And I have a whole bunch of pieces I've done that I call jazz something. Because when you look at it in a way, the sounds are jumping out at you like music. So I'm very influenced by music. This one is an homage to Paul Clay, if you can see it. Uh, the, that's why I did the oval. Now, Paul Clay is my favorite artist. Uh, I don't know if you guys know much about his work, but some, somehow or other, Paul Clay tapped into the mysteries of life and growth. Uh, he was very, very interested in an expert on and collected plants of all kinds. He was an expert on it. He also loved snails and a lot of other things, but he also did a lot of ovals. And even though that doesn't look like a clay, it looks more like a Schwitter's, it was another influence on me, I called it an homage to Paul Clay, mainly for the shape. Um, in many of my pieces, language pops out or through, and then certainly in my books. And you're welcome to look, those of you who haven't seen, I just brought three examples. In fact, they're among the only few small ones I have left because I sold everything on the East Coast. I just came back from a month-long trip and I had a great trip, so this is what's left along with a couple of other things. This one, I like to play around with silhouettes, black silhouettes, and this is one of the best ones I ever did. It was salvaged, it was laying around for years and getting really damaged, and I have a wonderful, in a way she's a conservator, uh, where I live in Lancaster, a woman who does my framing, and she fixed it. There were holes in it, it was water damaged, you name it, everything was wrong with it. She didn't repaint anything, she just trimmed it and it looks like I just did it, and I, I don't know when I did that. I think it's about, it's got to be 35 years ago, at least. And it, but it has some of my best figures in it. I really, and I love, and I do this with uh, fire, when I, I work in my books with fire, I like to interrelate a face, a figure, an animal, and where they flow into each other, so that they all become one. And that's symbolic to me of the way everything is connected. So I do that in my art, and that, that's a good one of that. I just had two shows at Occidental College. I, um, these, this one and that one were in, the, in one of the shows. They gave me consecutive shows because I have, have the world's largest collection of my own work. <laughs> so, and I sold the painting out of the first show, so I was able to frame a whole bunch of other things from that sale, uh, which was very gratifying because they needed to be framed. Anything else? Okay, thanks guys, and uh, if you don't own a copy of The Love Project, I'll be glad to sign it for you and maybe draw a picture of my face in it for you, which I do sometimes, okay? Thank you. Sure. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.